Welcome to Power Tools to Success. This is a show about overcoming adversity and making a difference. Your host, Philip Rampisa, interviews guests from all walks of life to help you succeed. Welcome to Success Power Tools. Today, I'm very excited. We're going to be speaking to Sarah Kumalo. Sarah achieved a great fit last year. She became the first African woman to climb and summit Mount Everest. So I'm very excited to speak to her. She's also a business executive. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on Power Tools to Success today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Philip. It's uh, a chilly day, but uh, good chatting to you. <laughs> it is. It's very cold. <laughs> for some reason, I'm surprised. It's almost like end of July, beginning of August, but it is very cold. It is a chilly day. So, Sarah, you achieved a great fit last year by becoming the first African woman to summit Mount Everest. But just for the benefit of our audience, I would like to know who this lady is. Can you please tell us about your background, who you are, and what you wanted to become when you were 10 years old? Um, so, uh, my name is Sarah. I am, uh, I'm a sister. I'm one of seven girls. Um, and uh, I'm a mother. I've got two boys. And I'm also um, a corporate person, an executive that puts food on my table. Um, and, and I'm also really somebody that wants to live the, my world just a little bit better than I found it. And I do that through education because I see that as something that is equivalent to really teaching people how to fish and not giving them fish. And it is the one thing that will change the narrative for the next generation of Africans. So that's really who I am. And I do that through, um, you know, climbing mountains. I'm on a journey to uh, summit the seven highest peaks on the seven continents, reaching the South Pole and the North Pole. So, so far I've done uh, four peaks, one pole, and I'm remaining with uh, three peaks and uh, and one pole. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, we'll talk more about mountaineering because i'm very interested in understanding the psychology behind it because it does scare me a little bit but first what i would like to ask you sarah is why mountaineering i mean have you always wanted to become a mountaineer and when did this start I mean, you from a family of seven children and i can understand and i did watch one of your 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 talks on 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 TEDx and you did say that these are things that you would think are impossible to do and that we wouldn't even try you know but so why did you do it and when did it start and what inspired you to do it and why mountaineering why not a 90 kilometer race Comrades, I have a lot of respect for those. Um, so growing up, I think as a, as a young child, I always wanted to do medicine, actually. So um, I ended up in, uh, um, in accounting. That's what I studied. Um, in terms of mountaineering, no, I didn't grow up. Not, I didn't even know there was an Everest <laughs> as, as a young child, quite honestly. It is something that I started maybe by accident, you know. Um, somebody talked about Kilimanjaro. And I thought to myself, you know, that is my story as an African child. I should be telling you about uh, about Kilimanjaro because this person was American. Um, and I put it on my bucket list. And, and at some point in my life, Philip, I started um, questioning my reason for being, you know, um, because I lost my older sister 
And I just started wondering whether she had done what she had aimed to do or what her purpose was. And I started questioning me sitting in the office at seven o'clock at night and working whether that is something that is actually meaningful if my day were to come. And I just went searching for, um, you know, that thing that was meaningful because when I look back, my grandfather who was a, a missionary always used to say, if you live a life um, that, that doesn't save others, it's a life wasted. So, you know, he used to say that. And as a young person, you, you really don't think much about what he's saying. So as you grow older, you start wanting to actually fulfill that because somehow in your subconscious, you, you know that is something that you need to do. And so while climbing Kilimanjaro, we used it to raise money for a home that needed like a playground. So we, we raised money and built them an outdoor gym and converted their room into a library because they didn't have a place to, to study. It's a, a home in Benoni that looks after, at the time they were looking after between 180 to 200 street kids. And, and when we were handing over these things, uh, one of the kids in the, in the home came to me and said, do you really come from the township? You know, and, and, and she actually believed that people like us don't do things like this. You know, that just got me wondering whether, you know, I was doing enough to show the young me, my kids and that child that it didn't matter what they looked like, where they came from, they can do anything, you know. And, and that's when I made a conscious decision that I'm going to step on top of every the highest summit on every continent, but use it to raise money for education. And I don't know if I'm a really a mountaineer, but you know, I'm faking it until I make it. That's what it is. <laughs> you are, you are, Sarah, you absolutely are. <laughs> Trust me, you know, I've, I've got the highest level of respect for you. And I'll tell you why. Um, when I was younger, and this could have been not even too young, I mean, it could have been 21, 22 years old, where I grew up in a rural village, we had like a waterfall. So to get to that waterfall, you had to um, hike a mountain for like uh, 45 minutes. But to, to get exactly yeah. into the waterfall, it was like a, a stone that you had to climb. And for the life of me, I, I just couldn't climb that <laughs> that stone. Most boys <laughs> will do it, but I just couldn't to do that. Yeah. So I do know <laughs> firsthand that there's a psychology to these things mm. and to telling yourself that you can do it because I did face that fear, which I actually haven't overcome. I'm like you've said, in, in one of your talks, you've said that we all have our own Everest to sort of, yes. you know, summit. And in order for us to get there, we have to overcome our fears. So I am very interested, Sarah, in knowing what kind of psychology would you say somebody needs to have and how do people really overcome their own fears so that they can summit their own Everest. It sounds like yours is that uh, that stone or rock and it's unfinished business. You and I need to go and visit that rock at some point. <laughs> at some point, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I just, I know for a fact that um, fear is a good thing. I think if we are not afraid, we may become dangerous people. So it is a good thing, but it's a tool that one can use to um, better themselves. You know, I, I like, I use, one of the things that I use is to almost visualize what it is that I want to do, what I want to achieve versus where I am. And, and I'm very much forgiving of myself when things don't work out. And I do that by 
um, listing all the things that are positive in that specific challenge. So if I go back onto Everest, in 2014, when I rocked up there, I didn't used to run or cycle. So I did very little cardio, but I trained in the gym six days a week, right? And I got there and I realized the guys that were cyclists and runners were doing much better than I did. When I came back, I started running and I mean, I started even doing marathons when I had never done a 21 kilometers race. Wow. And um, the, the, the thing that excited me about going in 2015, it's because I wanted to go and test how what I would have learned would have made me better than the previous day, uh, the previous year. I beg your pardon. And, and I think that that's what is important with everything that is ahead of us. I mean, you, you are scared. It's really in the mind more than anything. If you see yourself on that rock vividly, you'll find a way to get to it. Maybe going straight into it is not um, the plan. You find a rock that's a bit shorter than it and get onto it. It will give you the confidence to step onto the next one. Right, and I think usually we the fear comes with wanting to take a bigger leap than we actually can, um, and looking at it in almost a bite chunk steps makes it much easier. And one is able to achieve anything. It starts with the mind, and and sometimes fear is not just from us. It's fear because other people around us have told us and we believe it that we can't, you know, and they've told us so much that no one like us has done this. They've told us so much that people have died. Guess what? People die on N1 every day, but we don't fear driving on N1. We just know that we need to drive better. And we need to know that, you know, um, when it's our time, it's our time. Even if I lock myself in my room, it's, it's my time to go, it's my time to go. What is sad is, would I have lived before the time comes? That scares wow. me more than, than anything. Wow. So, <laughs> wow, you, you've said a mouthful. And, um, you know, this show is also about overcoming adversity. And I think you resemble that a lot. When I was reading and, and trying to do some research on your accomplishments, I also learned that you tried several times to summit Mount Everest. And I think in one of the years in which you tried to summit Mount Everest, that there was um, an, an avalanche and several people lost their lives. And, right. you know, I am, I am interested because you've also mentioned that sometimes people around us can say why things will not work out. And you, you've, you've done great now in being able to summit Mount Everest. But I also think that the greatest challenge that most people would have, Sarah, is when things don't work out. So I am interested in, know, in knowing because several times you have attempted to summit Mount Everest and things did not work out. What did yeah. you tell yourself then? And what can then people learn from what you've told yourself when things didn't work out? What was it that you told yourself that you were able to go back and try again when it seemed like odds were against you? Uh, that, that's a very good um, point because it's not something that I, I naturally had. It's something that I've had to learn with time. You know, and, and, and it's very evident um, 
from the time the 2014 when the 16 shepherds died and, and I was on the mountain, uh, still with very romantic ideas about what Everest is all about. Even though I had read about people dying on the mountain, I had seen documentaries, you don't expect to get there and actually see people that you may have said hello to the previous day being pulled, um, you know, their bodies lifeless from one point to another um, in front of you. That shook me. I remember running into the um, dining tent, trying to go and find people that had been climbing forever, hoping that they have answers. They had answers in terms of how do you hold the stick? How do you walk? What do you need to do for that? But that specific incident shook them. And somebody even picked up their bag and ran away from Everest Base Camp. And you realize very quickly, which I did, um, that this was a personal decision. Nobody's going to tell you stay or tell you what to do um, when a tragedy like that happens. But the reality is, you know, I, I, I started questioning myself. Maybe if I step a little bit back, when I made a decision to go on to Everest, I was preparing, I think about two weeks before we left, for the first time my house was broken into and the thieves took my duffel bags, which had all the equipment that I, because I had already packed worth about 80,000 rands. Sure. And within an hour, the police caught them and brought those bags back. And that's why I was able to go. Otherwise, I wouldn't have afforded to go. So in my head, as I was leaving, I was thinking, this is what God wants me to do. And you wow. get there and three days later, these people die. And then I'm like confused because like, did I read the, the signs wrong? Like, you know, it, it was a very difficult. That was a shocker more than any other time that I went back and things didn't work out. And, and, and what I just concluded over time was that, you know, it, they were a lot more experienced than I was. They probably deserved to be on the mountain more than I was as a novice uh, climber that I was at the time. Um, but it was their time to go and it's not mine. So what is it that I was saved for? What do I still need to do, um, you know, before my time comes? And that is one of the things that, uh, you know, A, kept me going. And also it's writing a list. So I always write a list. What did I learn from this expedition? And I don't call them failures. I don't allow anyone to tell me what is a failure and what is success. It's only a failure if I fail to learn from the experience. Because if I look at 2019, 2019 was a success not on its own. It was a success because of what I went through in 2014, 2015, and 2017. It's because of those learnings that I was able to use as stepping stones to get to the top of the world. And I think if we all look at, looked at things like that, and every time I would come is two pages of stuff that I have learned, stuff that I can use to be a better me, to climb better, to do better. Um, and uh, there's like half a page of what didn't work out. So I didn't sum it, but I, I'm a better me. And, and if we all thought like that, it will be easy and very quick we would be to get out of the valley and get back to the top because that's where we belong for us to be able to f perform at our peak in anything. Wow, that, that must take a lot of emotional discipline because sometimes how we feel about things is not the accurate reflection of, of the situation. It, you, to me, you just sound like you've got an enormous amount of emotional discipline in that you are able to look at the situation that doesn't work out 
and you're able to discipline your feelings from telling you you failed or it will not work or it, and, and just be able to do the next best thing which i think yeah. is amazing it, it is but but it's it's something that we can all train ourselves um to do because i wasn't really always like this the other thing is allow yourself to mourn about it just don't mourn for too long uh, you know if you don't go through the full process of getting disappointed and getting over it and start working on how to get yourself out of that hole very quickly um then you've skipped a stage that may come back to haunt you you forgive yourself very quickly and move on you know and and that's really the plan because think about it we didn't know we we're going to be hit by covid-19 now what do we do we lock ourselves in the houses and feel sorry for ourselves it's here let's deal with it you know and when it's gone or when we are able to coexist with it we need to be stronger than we, before we went into it and th- that's what it is you know so um sara if 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 a young person from the township looked at you and they wanted to emulate your level of success what would your advice be to them um uh, dream big and it's okay you don't have to apologize for dreaming big um i think uh, some people started by saying i'm unrealistic uh, uh, you can never be unrealistic about a big goal you'll be unrealistic if you dream it today and you want to get to it today so i dream about everest i'm realistic about what skills do i have now to get me there you know and everything every step that i take is a step towards that everest whatever that everest is you know and also it's not about where you are um you know but about where you want to go and where you want to go it doesn't matter what it is whether it's to the moon then that's it then what are you doing today to make sure that the step that you're taking today and tomorrow is actually leading you to the moon and and also more importantly i mean this is women's month gone are the days when you know we are selective about what we can what we cannot do as women which is why i absolutely support um you know women actually being proud of the successes that they've had you you've worked hard you don't need to be invisible about it you you can you know give pat yourself at the back and say well done sara this is amazing because that gives permission to other people around you to be proud of the successes that they have done you know another thing that i find exciting is you are so passionate about education why education yeah it's the equalizer it's it's the one thing if you think about it that will ensure that um our kids are not second class citizens in this global village they are able to compete with everybody else out there um and and it's the one thing so i, I mentioned that i'm one of seven girls and and my my mother every now and again would be pitied by the other women who were in 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 the vicinity about the fact that she didn't have boys um and she would come home and say the sky is the limit uh, which which is wrong by the way but that's a conversation for another day um and she would tell us that we can do anything that we want and it, it doesn't matter um that we are girls and we must just go to school do we need extra lessons do we need whatever you know and and for her it didn't matter 
if as long as we focused on school because that was the key to anything that we wanted to be and and i believe it's a one way that we can give teach people how to fish rather than giving them fish it's the one way that we can have a lot more people contributing to making africa um the the amazing continent that it actually is um and uh, and and that is through education it's it's almost like the base um that we all need and if we can help just one child that is unable to get it because of finances that is unable to get it because of access let's do that yeah i agree so much with that and i remember my grandfather used to say that the only way poor young people can change their lives is through education and i've seen that you know also with my own life and i've seen it so many times and i wish you all the best i mean i was quite impressed to see you've raised up to 1.3 million for education has it always been your plan to combine mountaineering with your philanthropic activities or has that just um started along the way has it always been the plan from the start uh from when i did kilimanjaro it was just that home because it's a home that we were um you know we were supporting but thereafter um yes i made a decision that i would not climb without raising money so people that have invited me to climb with them that's one of the conditions that i put on the table like if, I, if you want me to come with you some condition that we raise money for for education can raise money for whatever it is but i'm i need to actually raise money for education so it, it has always been um and and it gives it meaning and it's it's actually one of the other reasons i kept going back because for me climbing has become a little bit more than just you know getting up there and taking that picture it's about me coming back and it hasn't worked out but we've built another library but by the way we've raised 1.8 million just above 1.8 million rands we've built five wow. libraries just from the climbs so wow. there is the summit on the mountain but there's a summit that we're doing because these libraries are there um for for kids for the next um 5 to 6 years but that is just an amazing fit and and that I'm very proud of more than than the summits themselves most people when they think about achieving their goals they mention a number of things you know occasionally that prevent them to from achieving their goals mostly it's usually time sometimes when it's not time they say it's money what do you say from your own experience and these things that you've achieved that are so wonderful would you say that time and money really is an issue um do you agree with that or not no i think it's priorities um if you think about somebody recently told me about the 88 rule 888 um 8 hours we sleeping 8 hours we at work and 8 hours is our leisure time we can allocate it to spending with family to training to whatever it is that's important um and uh, so if if climbing is important for me i'll make time in those 8 hours for training and is it going to be 20% 30% or 40% you know uh money is a valid um point but i i sent out over 200 letters requesting for sponsorship and people never sponsored me and i made a decision that I'm going to just not going to do my holidays and I'm going to save up and actually do this because it was that important for me. 
and it is that important for me. So um, it's not about time, it's not about money necessarily, but it's about priorities. 200 letters, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, wow. and, you know, and I think it's it's about being my own cheerleader and keep moving, you know, and, and making a plan. Years, like 2016, I couldn't afford it, I hadn't saved enough, I didn't go. And then when I was able to go, I'm able to go. And if Everest wasn't it, I would have gone to the other cheaper mountains which I could afford until I'm able to, to get there, you know. And, and I must say, now that I've uh, partnered with, with Momentum in terms of sponsorship, it's much easier, um, but it wasn't always like that. Um, so can you please share with us, um, Sarah, what does success really mean to you? Well, um, for me, success is just a step towards your goal or your vision, whatever that is. I think it's me being better than I was yesterday. And, and that is success. I think it's not allowing the circumstances to keep me down, but just standing up, even if I just squat from lying down, that is success. What would you say were the obstacles that you've had to overcome in order to become who you are? I think oh, uh, uh, quite a lot. Eh? Um, it's, it's, you talked about finances, it's making sacrifices in terms of money. Um, it's losing friends along the way, walking in and being told that nobody that looks like me has ever done this, so I can't. You know, um, it, it's coming home and thinking, are they right? Or, you know, and, and I'm just crazy, especially when it doesn't work out. Like in 2017, I almost believed in the naysayers. Um, it, it, it's also walking up on a mountain and surrounded by Europeans that just think, what am I doing there? And, and, and fighting inside me to show them that, uh, you know, I belonged wherever it is that I choose to be, you know, and, and I shouldn't be judged because I don't have enough testosterone or I don't have uh, uh, the color that they expect me to have. Um, and, and it's also um, fighting in a good way, the people that I love, because for them, what is good for me at that time is giving up on my dream because they don't get it, they don't understand it. Um, and, and, and I see success as when they finally see it and, and they buy into what it is that I'm doing and they support me. Um, and I don't have to fight with them, but celebrate with them. Um, and that becomes success. Um, it's, it's just, it's many things that sometimes are necessary. Um, you know, it, it's really staying true to myself, even when it's unpopular, you know. Um, I think those were some of the obstacles until it became popular to, to, to be in my truth, you know. How would you like to be remembered in the next hundred years? That, that's, uh, that's quite profound. Um, as somebody that left her world just a little bit better, as somebody that contributed to making sure that the next generation of Africans see the world as a sea of opportunities rather than obstacles. Somebody that spent their lives fighting to make sure that the African child has a hope and the African child is seen and is not seen as invisible um, in any space on the globe. Um, 
irrespective of where it is. Sarah, what are your next plans? What you would like to accomplish in terms of your philanthropic work? Um, so I, I have uh, I started an initiative called Summit to the Purpose, which I use to, to raise the, the funds for um, education. Um, my aim when I started was to build five libraries. So libraries, it's a tick tick. <laughs> now, um, you know, I'm raising money for kids that need to go to school and can't afford to, to go to school. And we're trying to find ways to, to actually assist them. So I'll continue doing that. Um, I have, uh, as indicated, partnered with Momentum to complete what is called the Explorer Grand Slam. So that is the seven highest peaks on the seven continents, the North Pole and the South Pole. And that's a journey that I plan to, to continue. Um, I've also used a lot of the lessons that I picked up from uh, mountaineering um, to start coaching, to start helping others, uh, to guide them to where they want to be and so that they can be fearless about their goals and, and celebrate their successes, whatever those successes are. And um, yeah, that's what I'm doing and I'm loving it. Who's had the greatest influence in your life? Well, my, my grandmother and my mother for for different reasons um my mother <laughs> she she wasn't necessarily she was from a family of six and she was least educated of the lot but she could sell ice to an eskimo like <laughs> you know and she was very i mean she sent us all to the best schools but holidays everyone worked in the shop <laughs> like she just <laughs> had no nonsense um and and she just taught me to to say if there's a place I need to be, I don't need to apologize about it. I need to just get there and uh, and represent myself in the best way I can. Um, and my grandmother was, well, she was just a philanthropist of not. Uh, I don't know if you had this experience where um, on, you know, on actually on Saturdays mainly you, you have a chicken and uh, everybody's got everything on the plate and somebody knocks on the door. I wasn't as good as I am today. When I was a child, <laughs> I used to, when I was young, I used to not like that. Because <laughs> you have to share, but go on with your story. Sorry, I don't want to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> so my grandmother was, was really about, um, she was a vegetarian herself and she would have these fields where she would plant stuff. And um, when we harvest, she would go door to door to people that she believed needed it to go and, um, and give them and, and also check on people. She was just, you know, she was a true symbol of we are not here for ourselves. We are here to save others. Sarah, I just want to request you for every guest. We ask them to share with us a motto in life that they use, a motto that can keep other people going when they feel like life has lost meaning and that the going has gotten very tough. What is that motto? What would you like to share with our audience? I'm stronger than my circumstance, wherever it is that I am at that point. Um, if it's going tough, I know I'm tougher. And that keeps me going. And for me to get to where I need to go, I need to keep stepping, even if it's half a step. You know, when you, when you climb Everest, at some point you're not even counting steps, then you start counting 10, then it's five, then it's just one step. And that is the one step closer to your summit.
So keep going because we are stronger than our circumstances all the time. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I do feel like some people might need to get in touch with you and yes. maybe for advice. Um, how, uh, how could they reach you? I am on, on social media, on Facebook, um, at Sarah, S-A-R-A-Y, Kumalo, K-H-U-M-A-L-O. Um, I do have a website, www.sarakumalo.com, um, and uh, they can just email there, I'll respond. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, not, not very active, but I definitely will get back to anybody that uh, gets in touch through any of these means. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for being an inspiration. And, you know, I'm truly honored because you've just resembled everything that this show stands for. And thank you for the love that you share and the work that you do in terms of your philanthropic activities. Not a problem. Thank you so much and God bless and keep up the good work. I mean, the honor is mine being on your uh, platform. And to all the ladies, happy Women's Month. Thank you for joining us. To consult, reach us or subscribe to our newsletter, please visit www.philiprampisa.com.